You are now tuned into The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is sponsored by Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church of Early Texas. Grace Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. Grace Point meets at the Early Chamber of Commerce while their new worship facility is under construction. More information can be found online at pointtolife.wordpress.com or by mailing Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church at P.O. Box 3134, Early Texas, 76803. That's Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 3134, Early Texas, 76803. And now, with this week's study of the scriptures, here's Pastor Leland Acker. As we continue our journey through the Bible today, let's look at Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, verses 31 through 35. Genesis chapter 29, verses 31 through 35. In Genesis chapter 29, verse 31, the Bible says, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore will my husband love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. In Genesis chapter 29, Jacob is living with his uncle Laban. He had to move in with Laban because he had to flee his home and his homeland because his brother Esau wanted to kill him. And his brother Esau wanted to kill him because Jacob had done two things to Esau. One, he had purchased the birthright for a bowl of soup. And two, he tricked Isaac into giving him Esau's blessing. So to understand what all that means, you have to go back pretty well to the days of Abraham. In the days of Abraham, God promised Abraham that he would have a son and that he would be the father of many nations, and through his seed would all the families of the earth be blessed. And so Abraham fathered Isaac, and it was Isaac who would be the heir to Abraham, the heir to God's promises. Now Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau's the oldest, so Esau's the one with the birthright. Esau's the one who's going to inherit everything, the land, the fortune, the heritage, and God's blessing. And Esau had just about no care for this whatsoever. Esau could have cared less. Esau was all about going out hunting, uh, bagging a deer, bringing it home, uh, processing it, and cooking up some venison, which I think we can all appreciate that to a certain extent. But Esau's problem was he didn't value his family heritage. He didn't value his inheritance. He didn't value God's blessing. And so when Esau comes in one day after been hunting all day, evidently it wasn't a successful hunt. He was very, uh, he was very hungry. Uh, he was at the point of fainting, and he asked Jacob for some of his red bean soup. And Jacob said, yeah, sell me your birthright, and I'll uh, give you some of this soup. And so Esau, he sold his birthright for a bowl of red bean soup. And so, I mean, sold his heritage, sold his father's land, basically everything that he would have inherited for a bowl of red bean soup because he could have cared less. And so sometime later, it came time for Isaac to bless the two boys, Esau and Jacob. And so uh, Isaac told Esau, go out and bag a deer, cook me some venison. When you come back in, I'll bless you. And so Jacob 
he went and put uh, animal skin over his over his arms and everything so he would feel hairy like Esau because Jacob has gone blind by this point. And Jacob tricked Esau, excuse me, Jacob tricked Isaac into giving him Esau's blessing. And when Esau had heard this, uh, he was murderously angry and he vowed to kill Jacob. And so Jacob had to flee. And so Rebecca, his mother, suggested that he go live with his uncle Laban in order to find a wife. And so that's what they did. So Jacob went to Laban's house and here he is. He's on the run. He's going to inherit his father's land and heritage and fortune. And the blessing has been given to him. But here he's having to live on the run. And this is all a result of Jacob having acted without integrity. He lowballed Esau on the birthright. He tricked his father into giving him the blessing. And so Jacob winds up having to pay the price by living on the run and, living, and leaving his homeland and leaving his mother, whom he loved dearly. Now, things eventually turn out good for Jacob, but because of his lack of integrity in the way that he did things, his life turns out to be anything but peaceful. In fact, Jacob says in Genesis chapter 47, verse 9, few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. Jacob suffered a lot as a result of the acts that he did without integrity, as a result of his trickery, as a result of his underhanded tactics. Even though God wanted to bless him, even though God wanted to give him the inheritance, Jacob acted without integrity. He was underhanded. He was deceitful. And because of that, his life was anything but peaceful. He lived his entire life just about in conflict. Lack of integrity and unscrupulous practices will always rob you of peace. The Bible teaches us that if we act with integrity as Christ acted, that the Lord will bless us. And so Jacob goes to live with Laban, where he falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. Rachel was a very beautiful woman, a, a very lovable woman, and Jacob had fallen in love with her, so Jacob makes an agreement with Laban. Jacob would work for Laban for seven years, and at the end of that seven years, Jacob could marry Rachel. But Laban is kind of underhanded himself, and a little bit of a trickster himself, and so on the night of the wedding, of course, the brides are in veils and everything, Laban gives Leah to Jacob instead. And so Jacob winds up marrying the wrong woman. He winds up marrying Leah instead. And so when he realizes he's been tricked into marrying Leah, he goes and complains to Laban and goes, this, this was not the agreement. And Laban says, look, I had to give away the oldest daughter first. And so if you'll work another seven years, I'll give you Rachel. And so Jacob fulfills the marriage week with Leah and then turns around and marries Rachel and then works for Laban another seven years. Now, this is a messed up story. And if you think about it, this couldn't have been a good deal for Leah. I mean, how do you think she felt? Here she is. She was basically sold to a man, to a husband who didn't love her. The Bible teaches us that Rachel was beautiful, but Leah was tender-eyed. And there are a number of theories as to what it meant to be tender-eyed, whether she had a problem with blindness, whether there was a problem with her eyes. Uh, there are some that teach that she had blue eyes, which was seen as undesirable back in those days. You know, whatever the reason, there was, there was a reason that suitors were not lining up to marry Leah. And so she's not popular with the guys. The guys pretty well ignore her. Everybody fawns over her younger sister, Rachel. And Jacob comes to town, falls in love with Rachel. Her father sells her to Jacob, and Jacob doesn't even know that he's marrying her when he marries her. 
And when Jacob wakes up and figures out what's wrong or what's happened, Jacob is very upset at the fact of having married her. So you can imagine this whole ordeal is probably a very traumatic thing for Leah to go through. And then on top of that, he turns around and marries her sister. So now she's married to a man who has two wives, herself and her sister. And her husband doesn't even love her. But yet they have children, so some things are still happening. But God blesses Leah. He sees the situation Leah's in. He sees that she is being disregarded, that she's being ignored, that she's being taken advantage of, that she's being hated. And so God has compassion on her. And he blesses her in such a way that he shows that he had love for her, that he valued her even when nobody else did. God loved Leah when everyone else treated her like a pawn. Critics of the Bible and critics of Christianity and critics of traditional marriage often accuse scripture of promoting misogyny through the Old Testament passages concerning polygamy and concubines. These critics conveniently omit God's true design for marriage, which is one man, one woman. And the wrath poured out on those who abused women and the peace of the virtuous woman and the praise of the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31 and the command for men to love and cherish their wives in Ephesians chapter 5. The one who opposes traditional marriage, who criticizes the Bible and criticizes Christians for their biblical stance on marriage will go to passages like this and say, see, your Bible says you can do this. Uh, the Lord did not tell Jacob to do this. And what Jacob here is doing in Genesis chapter 29, what Jacob and Laban are doing in Genesis chapter 29 was not of the Lord. It was not of the Lord's command. It was not of the Lord's direction. And so Jacob winds up marrying these two sisters and winds up hating one and loving the other. And Jacob winds up violating God's plan for marriage. But even when man messes things up and goes against God's will and his design, God is so awesome that he is still able to work through those situations. The passages concerning polygamy are God's commandments on how to correct man's destruction of marriage and how to work through situations when man has deviated from the will of God. And so what we see here in Genesis chapter 29 is we see this poor woman, Leah, who has just been kicked around here and has been disregarded and hated and ignored and rejected and God sees that, has compassion on that, and so he's going to show his love to Leah. So in Genesis chapter 29, we see God's compassion on Leah. We see God's transformation of Leah, and we see Leah's praise perfected. So let's talk about God's compassion on Leah. In verse 31, the Bible says, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. The Lord saw that Leah was hated, and the fact that Leah was hated displeased him. The Lord hated to see Leah endure the affliction of an unloving husband. He hated to see her afflicted at all. He hated to see her suffer. And what we learn from that is the Lord hates to see us suffer as well. He hates to see us afflicted. He hates to see us rejected. And so therefore, the Lord was moved with compassion on Leah. The Bible says he opened her womb. That means he opened her womb to have children. And there are a lot of ladies listening to this broadcast right now saying, I don't know that that's a blessing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, back in the Old Testament, having children was seen as a blessing of the Lord. In fact, uh, the, the Bible says in Psalm 127, 
that uh, happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. The children are a heritage of the Lord. Uh, when women were having children back in those days, that was seen as God blessing the family, God blessing the mother in particular, especially if she was having sons. Having sons was a particular honor to a woman in those days. And so women back in the Old Testament times, they wanted to have children. They wanted to be mothers. They wanted to have lots of children, and they wanted to have lots of sons. And so Leah here is being despised by her husband, being hated by her husband, has just been pawned off by her father, and is pretty well rejected and is in a situation that would be devastating for any woman to go through. But God opens her womb, and she is now able to have children and to have lots of children. And so Leah here is being blessed, and she knows she's being blessed by God. Even when you struggle through through afflictions, if you look you will see God's blessings in a special way. You will see God blessing you in a special way. God loves you, and he hates to see you suffer. God loved Leah even when no one else did, and God loves you even when no one else does. I'm going to say that again. God loves you even when no one else does. In Psalm 3, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Lord, How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. The psalmist, King David, was isolated and surrounded by his enemies. And there were those who were ready to destroy him, and they were saying, not even God can help you now. So here, here David is in Psalm 3, completely isolated, surrounded by enemies, and they're taunting him, saying that there's no hope for him, that God's not going to help him, that he is just left out there to die. King David, when he wrote Psalm 3, was afflicted. He was suffering. He was under pressure. He was isolated. And he was stressed out, and it seemed that there would be no relief to that. But King David looked to the Lord. And he said that the Lord was his shield, his protector, his glory, his reason to celebrate everything that he is, the lifter up of his head, his encourager. The Lord heard him. The Lord loved David even when no one else did. The Lord loved Leah even when no one else did. God loves you and he has compassion on you even when no one else does. God sees your struggle. He works through your struggle. He encourages you in your struggle. And he will ultimately deliver you from your struggle. We see God's compassion on Leah. And it's a picture of God's compassion on us. Here we are. We're struggling. We're dealing with life. And sometimes it seems that nobody else cares about what we're going through. And sometimes it seems that everybody else is blessed except us. But God still sees us, still loves us has compassion on us. If we look, we'll see that he is blessing us. And he's going to work us through this deal and bring us out on the other side better off. That's what the Bible teaches that he does with us, if you know him as Lord and Savior. So we see God's compassion on Leah. Then we see God transform Leah. I want you to watch Leah's transformation as God blesses her with sons. We go to verse 32. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, Now, therefore, will my husband love me. Leah is focused on her affliction. She says, the Lord 
hath looked upon my affliction. She sees her affliction. She knows she's afflicted. She's suffering. She is rejected. She is despised. She's hated. She's she doesn't feel desirable. I mean, she is in a low spot here and the Lord blesses her with a son. She goes, oh, the Lord has seen my affliction and he's blessed me with his son. And now maybe my husband will love me. And so she's focused on her affliction. But she winds up after the Lord blesses her with a son, she winds up with an unfulfilled expectation that Jacob would suddenly love her because she had a son and that didn't happen. And so in verse 33, she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And so we've gone from focusing on the affliction to being disappointed. Leah, when she had her first son, was focused on her affliction and said, well, the Lord saw that I was afflicted. He saw my affliction and he gave me the son. Therefore, and then she comes up with this unrealistic expectation. Therefore, my husband loved me. And that didn't happen. So now she's gone from being afflicted to just being disappointed. You see, God is working and transforming her. She doesn't go from hopeless to perfect overnight. There's a development process and God is patiently working her through this development process. And God patiently takes us through that process as well. So we continue watching Leah's transformation here. We go to verse 34. And the Bible, sh- the Bible says, And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And so Leah has gone from afflicted to disappointment But now she's becoming hopeful because the Lord keeps blessing her. And hopeful is good. It's good to be hopeful. It's good to have confident expectations in the Lord. God likes it when we're hopeful. God likes it when we have confident expectations in him and we expect and we have a confident expectation that he's going to come through for us and deliver us. And so she's hopeful. But God is not done with Leah yet. In verse 35. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. Her attention has been turned from herself to the Lord. So she has gone from being focused on her affliction and her pain and her suffering and her depression. She's gone from being focused on all that to having an expectation and having that expectation not happen. And so she's gone, she's gone from focusing, focusing on her pain and affliction and depression to just being disappointed in the way things turned out. And she's transformed from afflicted to disappointed. And then God uses another child to transfer, to transform her from being disappointed to being hopeful that better things are down the road. Cause God is still with me and God has taken her from being hopeful to simply being thankful and being blessed with what he has done. Verse 35, she conceived again and bare a son and said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. Her attention has been turned from herself, her pain, her suffering, her affliction, and now it's turned to the Lord. She sees what God has done for her. She sees God's blessing. And now because God is with her and God is blessing her and God is holding her in his hand, nothing else matters. The rejection of her husband doesn't matter. The rejection of her father doesn't matter. Her sister always being better than her doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters because God is with her. 
And so the Bible says that she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. And so she is just straight up praising the Lord right now. And the Bible says she left bearing. It doesn't matter. She doesn't need any more children. She's got all the sons that she needs. She's got all the blessings of the Lord that she needs. She knows that God is with her. And so everything else is irrelevant. So she doesn't need to have any more children. She's happy. She is blessed. And when was the last time we were like that? When was the last time we just sat down and realized that God has blessed us and been happy with that, been satisfied with that, and praise the Lord for that? That's where Leah is at this particular moment in verse 35. She doesn't need Jacob's affirmation now. She's got God's affirmation, and that's all she needs. God works in our lives to transform us. He shifts our attention from this world onto him. He shifts our attention from the problems of our lives to what he is doing for us and through us and the hope that he is giving us. He works to transition us from being unthankful to thankful. He works to transition us from just looking at the temporary things of this world to looking at eternity with him. To go from being worldly minded to being heavenly minded. God works in our lives to transform us and transform us he does. He works to transform us from unbelievers to believers. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you didn't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll be saved today and got saved. You were saved because people shared the gospel with you. People shared the word of God with you. It could have been your parents who took you to church every Sunday. It could have been an evangelist who knocked on your door. I remember there, there were a lot of people that had something to do with my salvation. My grandparents who took me to church every Sunday. The evangelist who would knock on my door when I lived in the dormitory at Kilgore College. The director of the American Baptist Students Union who ministered to me personally on many levels. Members of the American Baptist, of the American Baptist Students Association or the Association of Baptist Students at the campus of Stephen F. Austin. The members of that student union uh, played a very big role in leading me to Christ as well. My wife. My youth director back in high school, I mean, I can go down the list. There were a number of people who did little bits of ministry, shared the word, shared the truth, shared the gospel with me little by little. And for so many years, I still rejected it. I fought against it. I had a hard heart toward it until my heart was ultimately broken in 2002. And I turned from my sins and I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. God worked through all those individuals over 22 years of my life to bring me to the point of repentance. He worked in my life to transform me from an unbeliever to a believer, and that's what he does with all of us. If you are listening this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Lord is working through this radio program to bring you to the point of repentance, and it's foolish to struggle against that, just as it would have been foolish for Leah to struggle against God's blessings. Turn from your sins today and trust Jesus Christ to save you because he died on the cross paying the penalty for your sins. And he rose again the third day to open the gates of heaven for you. And you can go through those gates of heaven and enjoy an eternity in God's presence if you'll just repent and believe. He transforms us from unbelievers to believers. He transforms our faith from a surface level faith to a deep abiding faith. He transforms our faith from being one that just knows the Christian sayings, give it all to God, Lord bless you, that sort of thing, to being one who understands who God really is who understands more about the character of God and how God works in our lives. And 
you know, surface level faith sees God when you're being blessed and understands God's blessing, but thinks that God is distant when things have gone bad. The deep abiding faith understands that God is still there through the pain and God transitions and he transforms our faith from that surface level faith to the deep abiding faith. And he works through our lives, the situations in our lives, the people who come through our lives, and he works through our study and our learning of the Bible to do so. The question is, is whether we submit to God's transformation or whether we fight against the transformation progress and the transformation process. And I'm going to tell you, life is easier when you submit to the transformation. Because in Leah's case, God used blessings in order to transform her, and he does that. But God also uses sufferings to transform us into the person he intended on us to be. And the more you fight against that, the more intense it becomes. So the best thing to do is just to submit to the Lord and let him transform you from the inside out. And so we see Leah's compassion, the compassion that God had on Leah. We see God transform Leah. And then we see Leah's praise perfected. We go to verse 35. She says, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. Leah praised God. There were no caveats to her praise. She didn't say, I praise God, even though my husband hates me. She didn't say, I praise God, even though my father gave me up. She doesn't say, I praise God, even though he didn't make me as beautiful as my sister. She didn't say, I praise God, even though I'm having to have sons in order to praise him. No, no caveats about her life. She just simply is praising God, called his name Judah, praise God. Now will I praise the Lord, therefore she called his name Judah. She is simply praising God with no caveats. I'm praising God even though, nope. King David praised God with caveats. You know, though they are compassed about me, still will I praise the Lord. None of that with Leah. She just simply praises God. And she praises God with no expectation of further blessing. In verse 35, she says, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. She praised God without expecting that her husband would one day love her. She praised God without expecting more children to come on the way. No expectation of further blessing. God has given her her blessings. She loves her blessings. She has her blessings. She's keeping her blessings. She is praising God for them. She is just simply thankful to God. When was the last time you were simply thankful to God? You were just thankful to God. No expectation or desire of further blessing. You were just happy with what God's done in your life. When was the last time that happened? She left bearing, which means she quit having children at this point. She didn't need any more children because the children that God had given her, the blessings that God had given her, she was satisfied with. Her praise was perfected in that she was truly satisfied in the Lord. And our praise is perfected when we are focused on the Lord, thankful to the Lord, and satisfied with the Lord. You see the transformation that has taken place here in Leah? She's down and out and rejected and afflicted and sad and depressed. And she goes from that to praising God in one of the strongest ways you can praise him. And did that without getting the desires of her heart, which was for her husband to love her. That's how God works. He transforms us. And he doesn't always transform us by giving us what, he, what we want. In fact, very rarely does he transform us by giving us what, he, what we want. He transforms us in allowing us to see the blessings coming straight from him. 
You see, God has compassion on you. God loves you. God does not like to see you suffer. Unfortunately, suffering is part of the human experience. And so God transforms us to be able to go through that with the peace that comes through that deep relationship with him. So God loves us and has compassion on us. And so therefore he works to transform us into individuals who will praise him, who will love him and who trust him and who see his blessing in all things. Will you submit to that transformation? Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, we love to see lives transformed because he's transformed ours and we love to see others blessed in that way. We meet for Sunday school every Sunday at 10 a.m. where we study through the scriptures and then we meet for morning worship at 11 a.m. where we praise God for the blessings that he has poured out in our lives and we continue to study about those blessings and the way he transforms us through a study of the scriptures during morning worship as well. We meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, just off of Highway 377 next to Pates Hardware. We'd love to meet you and fellowship with you in person someday and come by and see us. Until then, may God bless you and may God keep you will be our prayer. You've been listening to The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is a radio ministry of Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, which meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., at the Early Chamber of Commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, just off Highway 377, next to Pate's Hardware. Mail to P.O. Box 3134, Early, Texas, 76803. May God bless you and thank you for listening.